thank you for your presence amongst us this morning, Lord. And I pray that you would continue this work as we go into your word. I pray that, yeah, that you would open our hearts to receive what is going to be said here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, um, while we're getting set up for everyone, who likes the stories? <laughs> I want to tell a quick story. I was asked to share this. Um, this week, it was just an incredible week for me. Um, I was just sort of praying and asking God whether, you know, I want to be used this week, this last week. I want to be used this last week just to speak to people, to love on them, you know. And um, I was asked by our accounts lady to to head out to the traffic department in Greenpoint because one of our vehicles had a warrant on it. it uh, we didn't know about it. It was something that just came through the post and it was one of our teams that unfortunately lost the ticket somehow and I had to go and put out that fire. So um, I was appointed to go and do this. I head through to um, Greenpoint and it was amazing. I'm, I'm having this incredible time with God in worship. I put the music on full blast in my bucky. And I'm I'm going for it, you know. And uh, we g- I get to the to the traffic department, and I see there's a parking lot. One appears right in front of the building. Like, yo, what are the chances? So I go, this Lord, hang on, are you? What, what's going on here? So I park I park in front of this um, this building, and I see there are three lines um, um, for people to go and pay tickets to change their license, driver's license, and these kind of things. Anyway, I go and stand in one of the lines, um, and I'm standing there, and I go, Lord, speak to me. Surely I can, I can have something for someone here today. And as I'm saying, as I'm saying that, I see this bloke coming with, uh, he's got a mask on, he's got a baby sitting on a pram, and he comes walking from the parking, and he's parked up right behind me, and he, and he stands there, and I'm going, okay. I've just asked the Lord, and now I see this bloke, and he's parked right behind me. So I turn around, and I look at this guy, and, um, and I look back, and I'm going, oh, Lord, you know. Now my heart's pumping, right? I'm like literally, I guess, I'm like this. Because I know I've now committed, you know, and I've got to be obedient. I don't know what to say to this guy yet, but I know that I'm, I've committed. And um, I'm standing there, and um, I'm thinking, yo, okay, Lord. What, what can I say? And I turn around again and I look. And all of a sudden, when I looked at him, he looked up. He was, he was bending down, sorting his child out from the pram. And he looked up and he goes, Now they're out, you know. And, um, and I turned back and I'm going, No, I can't. I can't. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like proper scared now, you know. And I think, Oh, you know what? So what, man? I turn around and look at the guy. As I look at him, he goes, There's something wrong, you know, sort of thing. And I go, Dude, I just feel like. And he's taking his mask off mask off at that time and I see I know this bloke and I'm going oh my word I know you from somewhere I say to him he goes yeah I'm Howard and he shakes he shakes my hand I go okay Howard 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 and I suddenly dawn on me it's this bloke that Howard Feist I think his name is he's in one of the Josh James um, down in Sunningdale or or where Brooklyn so I'm looking at this bloke and I'm going, Lord, this guy knows Jesus. And I'm thinking, you know, he knows Jesus. I'm not going to speak to him about Jesus. 
you know, and we start engaging and we start talking about what he's, what he's passionate about, filmmaking and stuff like that. Um, and the next moment, man, I s- I all of a sudden I see this trailer. He's pulling a trailer. And um, it was laden with things. And at that moment, I didn't know what it meant, but I'm fi- I'm, I'm, I've seen this trailer he's pulling and I speak it out. But I don't realize I'm talking it out loud. So I go, Howard, I see a trailer. Why are you talking to me? And he goes, he goes, Warren, what, what do you mean you see a trailer? It's baggage. Well, you know, like he doesn't know me. Huh? No, 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 no. I see a trailer and it's just laden with resources. And I'm sorry, do you mind if I just share with you? And he says, yeah, yeah, go on. So I said, I see a trailer he's pulling with laden with resources and, and gifting. And I see God's going to bring him to a place in a season of networking in South Africa, wider Africa, and into Europe. No, 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 no. I thought, oh, Lord, I'm, I've, I've overstepped the line here. And um, he said, no, this is freaky, man. He says, this morning I prayed that God would give me confirmation of a networking, um, um, uh, what do they have, a social media and filmmaking, networking system that they were, a conference that they were doing abroad in France, and I'm purchasing tickets as we speak. So how incredible is that? How incredible, what are the chances of that? Now, guys, I want to confirm with you that I'm standing here, I'm not special. He wants to use each and every one of you like that if you just make yourself available. That's all. That's all I've got to share. All right. water bottle quickly. I've learned this lesson now. At the end of a, a sermon, my mouth is so dry, I need to make sure I'm holding the mic further away so you can't hear <laughs> the sounds my mouth is making. So, hello everyone. Um, I see we do have quite a few visitors and Visitors usually tend to end up on the left-hand side because they do not know that the sun <laughs> moved over. So as you can see, <laughs> the people that, that are acquainted with, with this venue knows on the right-hand side is where the shade is. Hopefully the 9 o'clock thing will sort us out in the future as well. So um, on Friday evening, we, we spent some time at Wodna um, and Kathleen's house, and we were making some pizzas. And at some point in the evening, we, we spoke about sports and the sport that we did at high school. And going back home, getting into bed, I've got this tendency to let my mind like wander about the conversations that I had during the day and things that we spoke about. And so I start reminiscing about my high school sport glory days. So hockey was definitely my favorite sport. And, and I, I clearly remember my first big interprovincial tournament in under 16. So up to that stage, when we played like bigger tournaments, it was pretty much just the schools, and like this is the first big tournament. So I make the team with the best of the Free State, <laughs> which pretty much comes from three schools in the Free State. And so we we practicing, we getting ready for this thing, and it's it's incredible to feel like yo, I'm in this top team playing with these guys, like the best players, um, in my opinion, and it. It just gels. We think that we are unstoppable. So then, a little freestyle 
seeing trees make uh, make the travel down to the super humid Peter Maritzburg. Um, <laughs> and there we are met with not only the, the three schools from the free state, but the top hockey players in South Africa from these different provinces. Now you can imagine a province like Western Cape, the amount of schools there are here that has really good hockey players. And we got absolutely smashed. <laughs> like, it was bad. We ended up losing all our games, ended in the relegation game, and lost that as well. And it was quite humiliating. But just thinking, like, when we were practicing, we thought, like, whoa, okay, we, we've got this. Comparing ourselves to each other, uh, in our frame of reference, like, we were doing quite well. But as soon as we were exposed to what the standard actually was, it gave us a much better reflection of where we're at. I mean, I don't know about you, but walking with Jesus for me, this is very much the experience. I start doing things, and I feel like I've got this sorted. And then I'm busy spending time in the Word, and all of a sudden, this thing jumps out of the page at me. I'm like, oh, my word. I'm just missing the standard completely. Or, which is very often the case, I spend time with some of you guys sitting here. And I'm listening to your stories, like just Warren's willingness to step out and trust God to speak. I'm like, shucks, I, I'm not doing that in my day-to-day -day life. And all of a sudden, the standard just lifts. And so th this last while, the topic that I've really been dumbfounded by um, and has, has hit me quite hard is the topic of loving one another. And so even if you haven't grown up in a, in a Christian household, You've probably heard, love your neighbor as yourself in some sort of setting and associated with Christianity. And I think even more so, if, if you did grow up in a Christian environment, you would know that this is something that's quite core to who we are. But it's one of those things, and I've said it before, that we get so familiar with the concept that we actually lose the value of it. And we, we sometimes even overlook how we're actually doing in it because we're so used to saying we're supposed to love one another. And so I want to ask you this morning just to position yourself in such a way that the Word of God can just in you come and pierce our hearts in this area um, and show us what the standard is really like. So before we jump into Scripture, I do just want us to, to pray quickly. Father, we know that this is something that's dear to your heart. We want it to come and form us as well, God. We pray that familiarity won't steal, but as we get into your word, that your word would come and pierce, that your word would come and raise the standard again, that it will come shine its light on our hearts, that we'll get an accurate reflection of, of where we are, how we are walking in these things. Um, that uh, even as Thessalonians says, that we will be taught how to love by God, that you would come and teach us how to love one another in a way that represents you rightly. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, in Matthew 22, Mark 12, and Luke 10, we have pretty much the same story um, of someone coming to Jesus and asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 22, uh, the account of Matthew, where he says, Jesus is saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Mark's account adds, there's no other commandment greater than these. And think about this. This is actually a really big um, scenario that we have here. Someone's coming to God made flesh, like asking God, what is the greatest commandment of all? Boom. And he says something that, that people might have been familiar with. Love the Lord your God. And then he comes and he likens the love that we have for each other to that. Like the biggest thing, the biggest thing we can do to love one, to love God. And he says, this is likened to it. And this this thing of, of loving one another is spoken about clearly by Jesus throughout the different gospels. And we see it become quite a central theme when we read about the early church in the book of Acts. And then this theme is also built on later on by the different writers of the New Testament. And I want to consider a few passages out of John's gospel and, and the epistles where he actually speaks about this. So the first scripture we want us to look at is John 15 verse 9 to 13. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I just want us to, to stand still on that for a moment. Because I think even as we were singing, your love never fails. Again, that thing of familiarity can so easily creep in. It's like, how, how big is this? As the Father has loved Jesus, that same love he has for us. And I'm trying to make it a, a thing just in, in my Bible reading as well. When I get to something like this, not just to, to move along and reinforce this pattern of like, yeah, 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 I know. But actually to stand still and be like, wow, God, thank you for the love that you have shown for me. Abide in my love, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. <laughs> These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And it's interesting just the, the flow that this passage takes. Jesus saying, as the Father has loved him, so he has loved us. Wow. But now, with that same love that he has loved us, he's giving us the commandment to love one another. 1 John 4, 7 to 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfect in us. I just want to point out two things before we, we move along. 
in, in this passage and in chapter 3, and it sort of fits into the bigger theme of, um, of the book of 1 John, where he actually speaks about how can we know that we are in the faith? How can we know that we are born again? And he looks at different things throughout the book. But one of the things that he points out here is the love that we have for one another is a sign of our salvation. And he even just says here that it's, it's like it's impossible, impossible for us to walk with God and not somehow let this transform us for us to love one another. His love needs to move us to the point of loving each other. And then another aspect, just there in verse, in verse 12, where he says, No one has ever seen God. If we lo- love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's like our love for one another is a manifestation of who God is. It's a manifestation of God to the world. And we see this also in the words um, of Jesus in, in John 13. Verse 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also ought to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. Our love bears witness of who he is. That was the next section. I was speaking to Dan last night, and I was really struggling to, to communicate what I'm, what I'm sort of feeling in here. So I, I hope I can communicate this well. But I think as, as humans, we, we have this inherent desire for meaningful relationships and, and community. And I think it's something that I sort of became more aware of even last year in lockdown, where, where the normal things stopped. And more and more, you saw these online communities absolutely boom. And these companies that no one has ever heard about previously all of a sudden became quite prominent and for some of us became very much part of our lives. And we see the strangest online communities emerging on Discord and Reddit and all these sort of platforms where people actually have regular interaction with each other. And you would almost think that they know each other. And I think for a lot of us sitting here at least, we'll... We want that human <laughs> element at least to it. So I think there's, there's some that might be joining these online platforms, but there's a large part of us that we at least want to engage with people. But we also have other places where people find community based on certain activities that they do together. We've, we've got our, our infamous CrossFit family that's part of <laughs> the church here as well. We've got groups like the... The Bietekar, which is also quite prominent <laughs> in the church, yeah. But r- just we, we find often that, that people around certain group of activities, they, they start forming community and start building relationship with each other. And, and within this, they find genuine community. They find this camaraderie uh, and, and build meaningful relationships. So it's, it's not that it's exclusive to church that we get to experience this. And I think... What saddens me is that for even some people sitting here, the the depth of relationships and the sense of community, um, you might be experiencing more of that in these sort of settings that you have in our setting. And that just, it doesn't sit well with me. Like if, if I consider the words of Jesus, if I look at the early church, if I, if I read the New Testament, it's like something is wrong for me about that. And 
down. What do we do? What do we do about that? How do we differentiate between what the world offers and what we have in Jesus? Because if I look at Jesus' words, our relationships are meant to display something that nothing in this world can offer. That no CrossFit family, no Reddit group that Beatrice might belong to. There needs to be something that differentiates us as God's people. So what is it that differentiates us? And this is a, an ongoing thing for me. But currently my, my thoughts are, are twofold. And, and the first one is quite obvious where you've got the CrossFit guys coming around exercising. We gather around Jesus, and hopefully <laughs> the implications of that are quite big, that when people come to us, that they, they experience something of God, and, and that it's not just like your regular activities that, that people, people see in, in our midst going through certain practices, but that there's really something of God among us. But there's a second one that's, that's I think, a bit more subtle, but... I do think this is important if I consider the New Testament. And that, for me, is the standard of love which we have for each other. And anyone else that actually comes into our setting. And as we have read, the love that God has for us needs to be the love that we show towards each other. So let's just return back to the passage and consider what this actually looks like. So 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. It's like the story of the gospel is the story of God's love. How when we were still far off, dead in our sins, God loved us. God stepped into our world. God took our place on the cross. He gave his life so that we could know him. Knowing that we would reject him, knowing everything that he would have to face, still he gave his life. And it wasn't just a, a friendly, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Cheers. Let's move on. Like there was an intense sacrifice that was given for us to come into a relationship with him. And that is the standard of love which he set. Something that, that I don't get my mind around is that he left perfect relationship, perfect community in the Trinity. Boom. And stepped out into our world where people would reject him. This is the standard of love that he set. And just four quick characteristics that I find with that is that is that genuine concern for the other's well-being above the self. There's the part where love isn't just something that's spoken about, said, something that you feel. There's a definite action that follows. Jesus' standard of love involves sacrifice. 
And Jesus' standard of love also involves a commitment towards the other. 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The same standard that God has set of what love is, he now calls us to love one another. So what is the biggest obstacle that we tend to face when it comes to loving each other? Self. John Piper says, self-love, self-preserving, self-enhancing, self-exalting, self-esteeming, self-advancing. We are consumed with our own worlds and spend so much of our time, energy, and resources to enrich and build up our own lives. And if you think about our natural tendencies, we find people who are on that same path who will contribute to our lives, who will make us feel better about ourselves, have nice times together. And those are the guys that we call friends. Those are the people that we tend to say that we love. But that's not the standard that Jesus sets. Self is a very shaky foundation to build on. And not only will it leave us dry, but it actually causes us to miss out on the things that God has called us to as a people. And there's certain things that are quite obvious to us if, if, we, if we say, like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm spending all my time at work, or I'm trying to build up my career, or just doing adventurous sort of things. Those things are a bit more easy to, to identify. But I just want us to consider something else that I've been thinking about this last while, and where good things used in an unhealthy way actually also causes us to miss the standard of God's love. And I want to come and say that, that this is with friends and even our families. So we know that the gospel brings reconciliation, not only between God and man, but also with each other. And we see when the gospel comes into a community, it brings restoration in relationships. We all of a sudden find that we're friends with people we, weren't <laughs> we didn't even know existed before. And then within families, the gospel comes and it restores. We have marriages being restored. We've got relationships with parents and their children being restored. And, and hopefully this carries on that you don't have brokenness that you need to deal with, but you've got healthy families that emerges. And this is an incredible work of God to see these things. But these friendships and this family needs to fit into the bigger context of the things that God is doing. It needs to fit into the bigger story of God restoring his family, of God advancing his purposes, the eternal purposes of God. As soon as we lose focus of the bigger thing of loving others and pulling them into God's family, being a part of his purposes to bring salvation and bring maturity amongst his people, our friendships and our families miss out. It's interesting to me just reading the book of Acts. We Just before the book of Acts, we see Jesus giving this commandment to go out into the, all the world and to make disciples. He tells them first, wait upon the Holy Spirit. Early on in Acts, we see the Holy Spirit breaking out. Many more people coming to salvation. And then we see this Acts 2, 42, 47. They're in each other's homes. They're breaking bread. They're experiencing this incredible thing. And God's adding to their number, but it's still centered in Jerusalem. 
And this, this, the rest of this commandment of, of going out into all the world doesn't really take place. And like, Scripture doesn't clearly tell us why. I just, I just wonder, for some people, that coming from brokenness into this sort of community where you're really experiencing the life of God. Like, I'm, I'm sitting across Peter and John who walked with Jesus, having communion with him, like having supper with him. Like, how crazy must that be? I'm experiencing love like I've never experienced before. Like, I'm struggling financially. People are selling their houses so that, that I can get by. Why on earth <laughs> would I want to get out of that setting? And what had to happen in the book of Acts for them to move? P- persecution had to hit. <laughs> and I really hope that, that that's not the requirement for us to be moved to action. But even for us, and this is true for me in, in our friendships, in our families, and even in our community groups. This last while we, we mixed up the cons a bit, and people are loving their new community. Um, but just something I, I do often see is, is we, s- we become so scared to lose what we have that we miss out on the bigger thing that God is calling us to. Like, if we're going to live this thing out properly, if we're going to be outward focused and loving each other and, and continuously pulling in people, being willing to multiply, being willing to go, God's going to be faithful for us to experience that wherever we go. But as soon as we start making it about us and these relationships, that's apparently centered around Jesus, but completely decoupled from the things that he's busy with, we miss him. So I want to ask us a a few questions. And I want you to genuinely just consider this. Um, I mean, what I'm speaking about, we've heard it before. But just what is the reality of this in our own lives? And there's a a few questions I want to ask. Consider your heart. Consider where you are at. What do your friendships revolve around? Are the people that you spend time with all easy you type people? (laughs) What I mean by that is we'll see different personalities and different interests coming about. And then we tend to draw people that's my type of person. So are your relationships spent with easy you type of people people from the same culture age group same interests comfortable personalities how much has your interest in people or the people that you are willing to spend time with changed as you've walked with Jesus in our friendship groups and communities when was the last time you invited other people in? Especially someone that's different to you or different to your group. When was the last time that you considered not just doing something for yourself, but for others? When was the last time that you were willing to sacrifice according to the standard that Jesus sets out for the sake of other people? And when was the last time you did this for someone who's not a you type of person. When you look around you today, and the people sitting here, those that are in your community group, what goes on in your heart? Can you really 
honestly saying that those around you are the people that you love. Not tolerate, not be friendly with, not make small talk with and do something fun every now and then. Do you love them? And then also, how do we respond in our love when we don't experience it from other people? Let's consider Jesus and the way of Jesus who loved us before we even loved him. Who loved us when we threw things in his face, when we turn our backs, when even now we are not loving him the way that we should. Still, he loves us. Still, he comes through for us. The call is for us to take the responsibility in loving each other. Last week, Clarence um, had a really incredible message, and we called people to come to the front for, for ministry. But for me, the what I'm speaking about is different to just a, a quick response, coming to the front, acknowledging that we don't reach the standard. This isn't a quick fix. This is a, an ongoing consideration, an ongoing wrestle of, of, am I really loving in the way that Jesus has called me to love? And like any cheesy preacher, the three-letter acronym that we can remember <laughs> for this is I want to call us to act. To love in the way that Jesus called us to love isn't difficult. It's impossible. <laughs> it's so contrary to the nature of us as human beings. We're always going to gravitate to us type people. We're always going gravi to gravitate to self-preservation. But to love in the way that Jesus called us to love requires the transformation of the heart. And so the first thing I want to call us to is to to ask for the empowering of the Holy Spirit to love in the way that Jesus calls us to love. Secondly, and I think that's that's just been the, the thing for me over this last few weeks, is, has really been considering the way of Jesus. When I read the word, like what am I seeing of God? Because he's calling us in the way that he loves, in the way that he acted towards us. That's the standard he's calling us to love each other with. Which is so cool. I'm busy reading a book of, of Francis Chan, and um, he speaks about communion. And something he, he said stood out for me in a way that I've never experienced before. But he said, as much as there's the, the remembering of communion with God as we're partaking and remembering what Jesus done, it's also a reminder of what the standard is of laying down our lives. And that sharing with each other, you're like, Jesus did this for me. Now. I'm called to do this for the people around me. So number one, ask for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Number two, consider the way of Jesus. And then very simply, number three, take action. <laughs> like this, <laughs> thank you, Keith. <laughs> So, 
like we, we saw with Jesus and what I said early on, it's the love that God has was never just the love that stayed in heaven that he spoke to us about. It's a love that caused him to take action, to cause him to come to earth, to take our place. And for us, if this thing just stays in our heads, just a thing that we recite, speak about, put as a, a value and a vision that we have for our community group, we're going to fail miserably. Like we need to come to the point of taking action. And just what I realized with me when I, I started thinking about this, it's, it's sort of like I want to go to the scripture and, and make a list of exact things that I need to do to, <laughs> to, to say that I'm, I'm loving people. But I just realized like that's not it. And it's, it's the same. If, if I have to come say today, these are the characteristics or the things that you need to do to love one another, we're going to miss it. We need to follow Jesus' example of what is the standard? Laying down our lives for those around us. And that's why I said it's, it's an ongoing wrestle. It's an ongoing consideration. Like how much of my time am I, am I thinking, like, okay, cool, who's there around me that I can serve? Who's there around me that I can love? And what would be the best way that I can actually love them? So for us, Let's ask for that empowering of the Holy Spirit. Let's consider the way of Jesus and, and let's take action on this thing. And oh, just imagine, imagine what this church would be like if every person just takes responsibility for that. And it is something that every person needs to take responsibility for. It's not just a, a thing that we can put up. If you're not going to do it, the body is going to suffer. Each of us needs to take up our place in these things. Cool. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I firstly want to say thank you for, for your love towards us. Thank you that you gave everything, Lord. You did not withhold anything from us. You laid down your life. Lord, you made it possible for, for us to experience your love. Lord, and I thank you that now you call us in the same way that you loved us to love those around us. Lord, and I, I pray for that empowering within each of us. I pray that this won't just be something that, that we speak about now and we forget when we walk out. Oh Lord, but that you would stir up this hunger within us to love in the way that you love. Lord, that the standard would shift so radically in our lives that we can't settle and can't just go back to the previous way of doing things, Lord. But that your love would grip our hearts. Lord, and that it would move us to the point of action. Lord, that as people come into contact with us, that, that we will carry that testimony. We are your disciples because of the way that we love one another. Come teach us how to love, Lord. 
just while uh, as I close, I mean, we've been speaking about this horizontal kind of love, but it starts off with the love of God towards us. And maybe there's, there's some people here that have never actually experienced that. Maybe the, the concept that we spoke about of as the Father has loved Jesus, so He has loved us, is completely foreign to you, and you know that hasn't been your experience. And if that is you, and you know that you've never experienced this, it's, it's not a reality for you. There's an invitation that stands this morning for you to come and experience that. There's an invitation for you to come into a relationship with Jesus. Well, everyone's eyes are closed. If that is you, and you know that, and you desire that, I ask that you just indicate to me, just put up your hand, give me a little wave. No one else is going to be looking around. I'm just going to take a moment and just be still. And if you've raised your hand, it's simple. <laughs> Ask God to come and reveal his love to you. Tell him that you want to give your life to him. That you want to live in relationship with him. Jesus, your, your love is greater than anything that this world offers. And I pray even now, Lord, those who respond and those who haven't experienced it before, that right now that you would come and fill their heart with your love. Lord, that you would come and touch, that you would come and reveal yourself to them. That their lives would be transformed with this reality, Jesus. Thank you that it's it's not just for a Sunday session, but even as they leave, that you would that you would continue to pursue, and that they would see the the pursuit that you have for them, Lord. That they would see just the way that you are running after them and wanting to reveal to them. Thank you, God, that you took all the steps necessary for them to come into a relationship with you. That we can come into a relationship with you. thank you for this morning, God, and we, we thank you for working in our lives. We thank you for always taking us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, to be glorified in the way that we love.